everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast. This is the podcast where we look at streaming services and we try to give you hidden gems that we think that you will enjoy in that service. It's a lot of fun. We do it every Fridays. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Ryan is here. Uh, hey, Rachel. It's great to be with you as always. And uh, <clears throat> if I sound a little different than normal, it's because, well, allergy season has reared its ugly head here in oh. Florida. And it is, it, and it has really hit me hard. So if I clear my throat or if I cough or anything that's the reason why it's not COVID I promise it's it's at least better now because you know we're making significant progress uh, with the vaccines and everything but like back around this time this is when we were about to get in the heat of things and every time I sneeze people gave me the dirty look like and be like it's allergies it's allergies Yeah, when I happen to a movie theater, if I have like a, a, a get a popcorn kernel kind of stuck in a weird place, I'm coughing. It's it's a scary moment. Yeah, because people people give you this like this like look like when like you're in someone's subconscious and in inception. Like are these people supposed to be this violent? They're like, no, just to you. <laughs> right. It's <laughs> true. Well, today we are talking about Discovery Plus, and this is our second episode of Discovery Plus. And the first time that we did it, it was one of our live streams, because I think it was when I was going to Sundance, I I believe, and so it was just a busy time. But anyway, and we all got cut off, and so we didn't actually even get to really finish the episode. Yeah, my... uh... My internet was like, was like, whoops, I dropped it, now it's back, and, and, and so it, it's, it was unsalvageable, but um, yeah. this time around, uh, it's a couple of picks that I didn't get to talk about on the crash one, plus some new ones, and yeah. I, I think it's pretty safe to say that Discovery has kind of been in the news lately with the whole yes. merger thing, which caught yeah. me off guard. I know, it was just announced today, this morning, as we are recording on Monday, uh, the big news, we didn't know, we just picked it because we hadn't had a chance to really cover it the way we wanted to. Uh, but yes, Discovery Plus is going to be purchasing, or Discovery Network is going to be purchasing Warner Media from AT&T. So that means that eventually, I guess, Discovery Plus is going to also be HBO Max. Yeah, I... When I first read this article, I was like, this isn't like from the onion, isn't like, this is like real life because I don't know what the net worth of like discovery is, but Mm -hmm. I know Warner Brothers is, or Warner Media is worth like billions of dollars. And and just thinking about like discovery and Warner Media, I just never correlated the two together. Like, yeah, so they're, they're paying uh, $43 million for Warner Media. Million? And this is, I mean, it shows how much Disney overpaid for Fox. They really did overpay for Fox. Uh, they paid $71 billion for Fox. And I, I mean, it seems like to me that it, the Warner Media would be more valuable than Fox. Yeah, I mean, looking, just looking at HBO Max, you got all the hubs, you got all of HBO's back catalog, all their originals and the movies that they own and all that. Then they have mm-hmm. all the DC stuff and then they have all the Cartoon Network stuff and Studio Ghibli and Sesame Street Workshop and just, it goes yeah. on and on and on. And that's, 
that's just the stuff on on the streaming service there's like warner archives and other mm -hmm. things so this is like no small purchase so yeah so if you think about it the disney paid almost double for fox that discovery will be paying for warner brothers warner media and i don't know if it, it what it'll if it'll include everything it says here the new company is the result of AT&T spinning off Warner Media, which owns a variety of major media properties, including CNN, TBS, TNT, Warner Brothers, Film, Warner Brothers Film and Television Studio, and HBO into a new company. So, and then Discovery already owns Discovery Channel, Animal Planet, TLC, The Food Network, and various other media properties. So that thing's gonna be a beast. And you can see that that AT and T way overpaid for Time Warner. Uh, this, I guess, that Time Warner would have, would include. I don't know if that includes more than Warner Media or if it's the same, but they paid 109 billion dollars for Time Warner in 2016. It says here, uh, and so that was a huge flop. You have to feel that that. The things that they've been doing for HBO Max have not certainly haven't made this not happen. That's for sure. Not yeah, been successful. And in, in the words of um, in the words of that one girl from Mean Girls, they tried to make fetch happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I think that anybody that uh, this does not bode well for the uh, restore the Snyderverse people with this. No way. I think uh, they're going to be spending out that kind of money for for uh, more Zack Snyder movies. I don't think that's going to happen. And it was already yes. It was already on thin ice to begin with because yeah. not only are you inheriting Snyder's movies, but also the baggage, the fan base that comes with it. And yeah. I'm not trying to bury any particular fan base or be like, "Ooh, these people." Like that's not my intention. I'm actually a fan of the Snyderverse. I, there's a part of me that wants us to continue, but I also acknowledge reality in that mm -hmm. Snyder, he's off making like Army of the Dead and that 300 sequel that he made during the pandemic. Like he's, yeah. he's turned the page, like he's moving on to new things. And so, I don't know, there's a part of me that thinks maybe we all should as well. Agree. <laughs> I completely agree. Yes. And I mean, I just don't see them putting out that kind of capital anytime soon for uh, for a relatively niche uh, niche audience uh, again. Uh, so, but who knows? You never know these days what can happen. We have Discovery Plus now, and it is unscripted shows. Uh, so it's gonna be a little different than what we normally talk about. Uh, as far as uh, as far as hidden gems, and uh, but I think it's gonna be fun. And you've had a, you feel like it's been a pretty pretty good app so far. Yeah, I've quite enjoyed it. I've mainly used it as like a way to go back and watch all of my favorite like food related shows that I watched growing up. <laughs> like um, <coughs> excuse me, like one of my choices that I have today, and also like Chopped and Diners, Drivers and Dives, which I recommended on the first episode. Yeah. And Iron Chef America, which is just an awesome show. Like, and also the guy who plays, uh, who plays the chairman or the, um, 
who plays the head guy who goes at Ale Cuisine. He was the main henchman in John Wick Chapter 3. And when, oh, really? and when I saw him, I was like, that's him! Like, like I was Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's him! All right. <laughs> yeah, he was on Dancing with Stars last season. Wow. Yeah. A man, a man of many talents. Yes, he was. <laughs> Yeah, I've been enjoying it too, mostly also for the food shows. <laughs> I mean, it's nice to be able to watch like just a whole bunch of Beat Bobby Flay or uh, Chops uh, and not have to deal with all of the commercials. Yeah, Chops. Oh, so many. I love Chops, but it always killed me when they were like, and the person going home is, and then the closure of the movie be like, commercial. you like, ah, you need to tell me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is the most annoying thing in the world. It really is. And then when you come back, they repeat the same thing that they had just ended with the cliffhanger, and you're like, okay, we already know. <laughs> at least like do, already. <laughs> at least like do like a close-up on one chef, a close-up on the other chef, and then have uh then have then have have the clothes removed and be like, Chef Jake, you have been chopped. Judges. Yeah. Like don't like don't chew your food twice and all that. Exactly. Well, let's let's get started. What is your first recommendation for Hidden <coughs> Gem or Discovery Plus? So my first choice is one of my one of my favorite like favorite of these TV shows, and it is MythBusters. And I could talk about this show for days. It's one of my favorites. I, I grew up in a time when like mostly, if you were going to like a high school science class you were bound to watch at least two or three episodes of Mythbusters, especially if it was like the Friday before like winter break or if it was like the Friday before like a three-day weekend or something. And I always look forward to those days. And the basic premise of the show is that there are these two special effects artists, Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman. They worked on a lot of the Star Wars prequels and the visual effects side of things. They have, like, as the show touts, over 30 years of special effects experience. And the basic premise of the show is that they get a myth of, let's just say, we heard through the grapevine that a prisoner broke out of his jail cell by using nothing but 10,000 antacid tablets and water. And so they do a small-scale test, and then like a medium-sized test, and then at the end of the show is a big old test where they build something and, and tested, whether it's confirmed, plausible, or busted. Um, the first couple of seasons was just the two of them, but then I think in season three or four, they got an additional team, the build team, but that name got dropped, of Tori Balechi, Grant Imahara, rest in peace, and, uh, and Carrie Byron, and I love all three of them as well. They had their own separate myth that they were tackling. The only time they would cross over was like, say, this one episode where it was the myth of somebody falling out of a plane and hitting a seesaw and launching a girl a certain height in the air. And it needed like an all hands on deck kind of thing. And mm. it was, I, I don't know if it was broken up into two parts. It probably wasn't, but it was, it was Savage and Heinemann and, and, and the build team all coming together to form their powers. And this, this, <coughs> pardon me. This show is like hundreds of episodes with movie myths and 
old like wives tales of like bull in the china shop turns out bulls are actually pretty graceful animals who would yeah that was a fun one <laughs> a car skipping over a lake uh the myth of like the first ancient machine gun that was made out of like bamboo and stuff i could talk about this show for days it's just an awesome show uh, my favorite episode was not even like related to a big myth it was a christmas episode and the two of, and Savage and Heinemann just said to themselves, you know what? Let's just big let's just build a big old Rube Goldberg machine. And the entire episode is just them building this contraption with like several different layers, and none of them worked, and it would get to a certain point and then it would stop. And literally the last scene of the of the episode was the Goldberg machine finally working. And it is the most satisfying thing in the world. I will say no more, but it is a Christmas episode, so Rachel, it's right up your alley. Yes. At the at the end I, of the day, I, I love this show. I can yeah. talk about this show for days. It's such a good show. I agree as well. And I had a period where I was watching it a lot, and but I hadn't, I haven't seen all of it. But my my favorite is when the results genuinely surprise the team, whatever, whatever team it is. I think that's really fun. And I think it speaks to sort of the legitimacy of the show, that it's not just a gimmick, that they really are kind of using the scientific method and testing out these things. And I particularly love the episode where they test if elephants are afraid of mice in oh, Africa. Oh, yeah, that's a classic. That one is so fun, because they're just like, at the beginning, they're like, no way, this can't be true. A giant elephant being afraid <laughs> of a teeny tiny little mouse. And they test it and they test it over and over and over again using different things. And every single time, as soon as the elephant sees that mouse, he, he, he goes back and, and uh, it's just, it's horrifying. They officially and then confirmed the look on their face mind. is just like, what? They officially and, confirmed in my mind that this world operates on Looney Tunes physics. Yeah. Because <laughs> you would never believe that, 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 Elephants, giant elephants are afraid of mice. How's that possible? Jumbo didn't lie. No, but it's it's fascinating stuff. It really is. Yeah, it really is. That's a good. It's a very good show. All right. Well, my first suggestion is from the world of TLC, and it's a reality show. Uh, It's called Outdaughtered. And this is a show about, you know, they have, they love these shows about the families with multiples. Uh, And this is the Busby family and they're in Texas and they have, uh, they have uh, quintuplets and, uh, and then another daughter. So they have six and it, the the kids are, the, the quints are so cute. I mean, come on. And, uh, and I like, I feel like they have a pretty strong marriage. We'll see if they go the way of John and Kate plus eight. Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> um, but they definitely seem to not fight as much as John and Kate plus eight. So they're starting strong. And they, it's, the kids are just really cute. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to have kids one day, but I'm not sure at five. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think that they uh, that they had planned it either. <laughs> but uh, I guess in the it, it, it is very efficient. You know, like you just do instead of having to do it over something over and over, you just do it all at the same time for five. Kids. 
But I can't imagine, I mean, can you imagine toilet training five kids at the same, I can't. Be, <laughs> be like the, that mom would have to be like Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now at, at, yeah. at a certain point. Just a thousand yard stare and the song, this is the end, my only friend, the end. <laughs> Yeah, but it seems like they have a lot of support from her family. Her, she has twin sisters who are on the show a lot, and and uh, so it's I enjoy it. It's a fun show for this kind of reality. So sometimes I just like to turn on reality nonsense and just watch it. <laughs> and in the world of that kind of entertainment, this is pretty good. At least it's this not is, this trashy. Is the, this is one of the better ones. I think so. Yeah, it's not too trashy. Uh, not trashy at all. It's a cute little girl. <laughs> yes, there you go. That's my uh, TLC recommendation. You know, they love TLC. They like, but they have wedding dresses and multiples and little people. <laughs> <laughs> Those seem to be their, their sweet spots. <laughs> 90 Day Fiancés. So... I do know about that show. I do yeah. know about that. It is pretty, pretty good. 90 Day Fiance. I tried to convince my sister to go on it because she was, she got married to a guy from England. <laughs> like, you could come, you could have, you could be on 90 Day Fiance, make tons of money. But uh, she, she declined. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, it's a pretty dramatic show. And of course, the, or that or you're in, in Polygamy, that's their other favorite. <laughs> so, all right. What is your next pick? So my next choice is another Discovery Channel show, and it's another one of my favorites. It's called Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe. Uh, this, is, this show is basically the host, Mike Rowe, going across the country and examining all of the dirty jobs that make our lives just a little more comfortable each day. This is one of those shows that will make you truly appreciate like all those little jobs that sound truly horrible when you like hear the description of it and they very much are but they're also like integral to how we live our daily lives and it's it's not only I think it's not only an important show but it's also a really fun show as well and that all falls at the feet of the host, Mike Rowe, who is just, he's just awesome. He's one of the best. And I love how he intros each episode of the show. Like he, he'll he just appear out of nowhere doing something just random and be like, hi, I'm Mike Rowe and this is my job. And he'll be doing something like beekeeping or I remember one fondly, it was this snake farming job and he was in this whole suit and then he walks into the shot and he's like, Hi, I'm Mike Rowe, and he takes this rake, and he's like, goes through the sand and pulls up like a handful of these little snakes, like this long, but like, you pull it up, and there's like, all the snakes going around, and he's like, this is my job. What do they do with the snakes that they farm? I honestly don't remember. All I know about that episode is that first scene, and it's because I do not like snakes and so that's like it, that image is like permanently burned into my eyeballs for the rest of eternity but like i said i think this is <coughs> excuse me i think this is a very important show because it peeks into the lives of like of like people who do these 
very menial and horrible jobs that if we're given like say we'll pay you a million dollars to do this it'd be like no i'm good i'm I'm good and you see these people and they just have this weird sort of satisfaction doing it i, I can't explain it but it, it's just it's just fascinating stuff and at the end of the day this is a supremely underrated show and especially mike rowe who is just a fantastic human being uh he uh he wrote a book about a year or so ago that I've been meaning to read called Stories I Heard or Stories Someone Told Me. That just sounds awesome, and I'm, I do want to read it. But anyway, Dirty Jobs, it's, it's awesome. That sounds really good. I've never seen that show, but I agree. I think it's good to profile people that are... Uh, I mean, it's interesting to profile anyone, you know, and just learn about their lives. But there's these people that are central workers that we never even think about being essential workers. Yeah. And I think in the past year with COVID and everything, I think if there's anything good that can come from this stupid virus, it's, it's allowed us to acknowledge those people who really keep the, keep the grease on the wheel and all that and make sure yeah. the world turns and, and all of that. And yeah. I, I always showed appreciation for them beforehand, but even now, it just it it just shows it even more. Yeah, I wish I could remember who the philosopher was. There's a when I was in college, remember we were talking about a philosopher who they based their whole sort of theory of man on that every person should be allowed to sort of follow their passion, right? If somebody wants to be a tennis player, then they should be a tennis player. If somebody wants to be a, whatever and that uh, but he he reached a roadblock when it came to kind of developing his ideal world uh because who will take out the trash yeah there's well, no one to take out the trash in his ideal world and he couldn't get around it and i wish you could remember who that was i'll probably think of it as soon as i finish this this podcast but that's, <laughs> but, uh, no, that's normally what happens with me <laughs> And so I think that's true, that there, there's got to be someone who takes out the trash for society to function. So my next pick is called How It's Made. And I've always loved seeing how things are made in a factory. Like, I don't know why. Ever since I was a little girl, when, when Mr. Rogers would go into the pitcher, and I don't know if you ever watched Mr. Rogers, but oh, yeah. he would go into the pitcher and you would, and that was always when he was going to learn how something is made. And, <laughs> uh, and you'd find out how beach balls are made or uh, soda pop or whatever. I, would, I just really enjoy it. And uh, that's what they do on this show is they go in and you find out how all this random stuff is made. How pennies are made, how uh how styrofoam is made uh there's just everything that you could imagine yeah and with stuff like that we take so much of it for granted and and it shows like these and really show you that hey there's a lot of work that goes in, into this yeah it really is i let me see uh um toothpicks hearing aids toilets paper jeans, computers, nails, uh, apple juice. Like, so there's a real good variety. And I don't know, I could just have this on background all day. It's just, 
<laughs> just learn how things are made. I think it's so interesting. Yeah, I have something like that on my choices, but it's all food related, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay. Yeah, this this show was like on Discovery for like just yeah, forever. It's, show. it's like if there's an empty programming block, but somehow it's made on there. <laughs> yeah, they have um, like compact discs. So that shows you how old it is. They have dentures, gummy candy, carpet, drinking water. I mean, just a huge variety. So if you like learning how things are made, then uh, let us know if you like learning how things are made and if you loved that part of Mr. Rogers when they go into the picture. Now let's, now let's see the delightful process of making yes. this. Yeah. <laughs> Love that part. So what is your next pick? So my next so my next choice is from the Travel Channel. And this is a show that did not get enough episodes. And I loved it so much. And it didn't get enough traction. It's Bert the Conqueror. Uh, this is a show where comedian Bert Kreischer, who's probably best known for his, uh, his story where he gets involved in the Russian Mafia, and I'm sure if you're all watching this, you have at least heard of this story or if, or haven't at least seen it. But the basic premise of the show is that Bert goes from state to state and either goes to like a theme park or some crazy like extreme stunt. And, and he's like, I'm going to ride this or I'm going to jump on this. Uh, episodes include going to the Six Flags in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which is regarded as one of the best theme parks in, in the world, like just, just in general and one of the best for roller coasters. Like basically if there's like a top roller coaster you've heard of or if like something like a Tough Mudder or like an extreme Iron Man, Bird is going to do it. And especially the Tough Mudder episode is just like, I could get in like, like the, like the, like Dwayne the Rock Johnson shape and I don't think I could ever pull something like that off. So, so it's, it's crazy stuff, but it's also fascinating in that you get these little pockets of like these, because when you think of theme parks, you think of like Disney World and Universal, and those are all well and good. But there are these other smaller places with these epic rides that, that Bert brings a lot of attention to and also ride them all at the same time. The, the show got canceled, I think, after only like one or two seasons, which is really sad because I really enjoyed the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never heard of this one. Uh, it looks like it had, from what I've seen on Wikipedia, it had three seasons, but I think they were pretty short seasons. Um, uh, maybe, maybe that's why I thought it was so short. Yeah, I 40 episodes total, and that sounds really fun. Uh, as long as it's not like the uh, kind of the MTV style, like the Jackass kind of style, I don't like that. Uh, oh no, it's... No, Jackass no. is like, Jackass is like here and Bert the Conqueror is like way over there. They could yeah. not be any different. Yeah, those like, kinds of dares and challenges I don't <laughs> like, but I I like uh, what sounds like this is. That sounds fun. Yeah, Bert the Conqueror is definitely for sure like families and Jackass is like for like 18 to 34 male demographic and mm -hmm. all that. Cool, that sounds fun. Well, flea, my next choice is Flea Market Flip, and this is a show on HGTV, and it is a little bit smaller scale than some of their shows, which I think is why maybe I liked it a little bit better than some of the other shows, 
and it's Lara Spencer. And what she does is they go to different flea markets and they are each, the teams are then assigned to, they give, they give them $500 and they have to find various antiques or items that they can then uh, upsell in some way. They can renovate, they can, they can uh, make them nicer. And, uh, and then they can then sell them for a lot of his furniture that they can fix and make better. Uh, and then, then they go to another flea market where then they sell their, uh, their upselled items and they hopefully get more out of, uh, out of it. And so whoever wins gets, uh, I forget, a prize of some kind. So it's, it's really fun. It's fun to see both what they pick out and what they do with their $500 and then also how they upsell them and how they make them nicer and fix them and, and all of that. And then, the, then to see them sell the items. It's, I enjoy it. It's a good show. Yeah. The gym I go to, uh, <clears throat> I usually go in like the super early morning, but when I was, when I was unemployed, I would end up going at like 10, 11 and flea market flip was always on one of the TV, oh, one really? of the TVs. And I, and it was on mute. So I really, I really had no idea what was going on, but I would be like doing abs and I would look up to it and be like, huh, I wonder if she should sell that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it because it's, it, it, I'm not planning on moving anytime soon. So a lot of the home renovations or renovating anytime soon. And that whole thing sounds like a total nightmare, renovating uh, or moving. And so for me, this is fun because I could imagine like making a lamp, you know, redesigning a lamp or, uh, you know, just somebody is making a dresser drawer set, you know, I could, ma I could imagine a world where I end up doing that. So I think that's why I like it. Yeah. And, uh, my, my grandma used to go to flea markets all the time. She doesn't as much anymore, but mm -hmm. I remember, I remember her going all the time and it was like one of her favorite things to do. Yeah, there's some here in Utah. I really should go. I've never been to one. I've been to the one, there's one in um, Hawaii that I go every time I go. The, I mean, I haven't been to Hawaii for a long, long time, but when I have gone, there's this huge flea market and it's the best place to get your, um, your necklaces and your other, you know, your other stuff. Uh, so it's pretty fun. Uh, so yeah, this is a, an, an entertaining little show. So what about you? What do you have next? So my next choice is from the Food Network, and it is called Cutthroat Kitchen. Uh, this is hosted by my main man, Alton Brown. And this show is kind of like Chopped, but it's a little different. There are four chefs, and, and, and Alton Brown's like, hi guys, welcome. You can win this $10,000, and actually I'm going to give it to you now. But you're going to have to use it in order to buy the things you need or sabotage each other and intrigue abound and basically he's, he's like you know what make me a grilled cheese but for some of you you can use this regular bread or you can use like saltines and that's an extreme example but it's basically extreme though it, it's it, it's basically alden brown giving the winners their prize money and saying hey you want to use it for something you can if you want to play it safe you know, go with God, but it's, there's an extra strategy element to it. And 
and it's it, it can be very gripping. I remember there was this one episode where this girl from like LA looked at this like super preppy girl from like New York and she was like, I'm gonna show her what's up. And then there was like this really, really stupid, like bad punishment. And the LA chef was like, I'll pay 10 grand for that. I'm like, whoa, like <laughs> when I get 10 grand, I'm certainly not gonna fling that around. All her money? Uh, well, a good chunk of it at least. Oh my gosh. And she ended up losing, by the way. But it's just, it, it's yeah. such a, it's such a fascinating show. Like Chop is cool and all of that, and I, I would say I think I may prefer that over this. But Cutthroat Kitchen is, it is just, it's just crazy. Like chefs have to cook with like chicken in a can, which just looks like something out of the Alien movies. They have to cook with like this weird, like gelatinous, like stuff. And they have these celebrity judges come in, like Giada de Varenas or Bobby Flay or Michael Simon, and they have no idea that they're eating like this canned like food. And the chefs have to pass it off as like, as like, oh, I made this very fancy dish out of like goober and like dill yeah. pickles, and it's just, it, I'm not doing it justice. It's it's just. They have a to really use like a. Show. Sometimes they have to use like a, a like an iron cook like a clothing oh, yeah. iron or you know, just crazy it's, it kind of stresses me out a little bit to watch I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> just it's just like I get anxiety with these poor chefs but uh but yeah it can be entertaining yeah they have to make like fajitas with no tortillas or it, it, it's just <coughs> excuse me it's just downright cruel sometimes and yeah it, it's weirdly enjoyable because Alton Brown god bless him he's just having way too much fun hosting this show like he's just he's just having too much fun in general he's having way too much fun on this show <laughs> yes agreed well my next pick is also on the Food Network and this is Ace of Cakes this is the original Duff Goldman show that was on for a long time uh, where him and his buddies at his cake place make all these outrageous cakes for different people. And uh, what I like about this show is that you you can see how great an artist they are. Like, yeah, that's almost more important than like the cake itself. It's just, uh, I feel like he made, like the priority was hiring artists over hiring like culinary people. So I think that's what makes the cakes really cool. Uh, and uh, and to see how the design kind of evolves is entertaining. And you get to know the whole crew by, you know, by the end of it, which is fun. And uh, so I I think it's, you know, it's an entertaining show to, to watch. Yeah, and uh, the show does a really good job of, of showing Duff and, the rest of the crew there they may dress like loud they have tattoos and wear backwards hats and all that but when the chips are down if you're betting on them to like make you the best cake you could ever ask for then give them all your money because yeah. like they're they're the sure thing yeah and I, I just always really liked the idea of of kind of elaborate cakes I, I've only had I've had two in my life one was when I bought my house and I had uh, I had a big party. It was it was a birthday party slash house buying party, and uh, and I bought I had a cake made for it uh, that had the up house on it, 
and then it had three layers and each of the layers was like different parts of my life and different the bottom layer was different places where I traveled the second layer was different stuff that I had enjoyed like swimming and things like that anyway it was like it was just a super cool moment it was kind of a dream of mine to get yeah. to uh, make a uh, to have a cake made for me like that I'd always wanted to and since I didn't get married you know I haven't gotten married might as well when I bought a house you know right I was gonna um, say they, they made you a little mermaid cake bloomers <laughs> <laughs> on I was the little mermaid on there I can't remember but but yeah so it was obscene which was my favorite movie at the time it's still one of my favorites and uh and I just really like the idea of these fancy cakes they don't really taste all that great I mean it's fine but the fondant doesn't taste good yeah it's but, more it's more of a base part. to like add stuff onto. yeah so that's ace of cakes so my final choice is again from the food network and this was the food related how it's made show that I mentioned it's the original unwrapped host by Mark Summers this show was on all the time, like late night Food Network before they had like their really big expansion into late nights. It was mostly like Diners, Rounds, and Dives, and then there was Unwrapped at like 10 or 11. And I remember always watching, and I can even remember the bumpers that they played. And it was like this. Anyway, I remember the bumpers and all that. And Unwrapped, like, is basically how it's made, but it's all related to food. And Mark Summers is just like, they picked the perfect guy to host this because he just, he wasn't like too overly excited, but he was just like, hi, I'm Mark Summers and let me tell you about this food. And it was just, he was just so excited to tell you about it. And the set was in this like big sweet shop. I always wanted to go there. And this was before I got into a little bit of TV broadcast production in college. So it was definitely a set, AKA not real. But right. whenever I saw it, I was just like, I want to go there so bad. And it never existed. But anyway, and and my favorite episodes of, of the original Unwrapped was the Disney episodes. Whenever they would it do it like exclusively in like Disney World in Orlando, because I went there too many times when I was younger. And so, and so a part of me was like, a, oh, I've been there. Like, oh, I've eaten at that place. And, and it's part match game and part like, oh, next time we go, definitely got to go there. Like my favorite part of the first one they did was when they covered Chef Mickey, which is the best restaurant in Disney World. And you can't change my mind on that. They have Mickey Mouse waffles, for goodness sake. And it just, it's just a really fun episode and just a really fun show entirely. They did reboot the series with Alfonso Ribeiro as the host. And honestly, I think they picked like the perfect person to replace Mark Summers. I love Alfonso Ribeiro, but still like it just, it was never going to be the same. Like they captured the magic the first time around. So Unwrapped is just a really quality show and the intro would just make you hungry every single time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, obviously I like how it's made, so I like Unwrapped as well. Uh, I just think it's really interesting to learn how stuff is made. It's very fascinating. So I agree with you. And I do like the Disney episodes as well. Like the one where they, they it's kind of funny because they, they give the behind the scenes about how they make the, the puffy pizzas. And I just I kind of think, but this one actually, does Disney think this makes them look good? 
because it makes it look bad like how they're making these pizzas it doesn't look good it's like through this this uh automated process you know it's like like nobody wants pizza like that people want you know throwing the air they want it to be handmade they don't want some robot making their pizza so i mean the rest of the stuff appears to be homemade so two out of three ain't bad i suppose <laughs> yeah it was just it was kind of funny to get like the behind the scenes and just to think uh, of what you know what they're thinking but but anyway, yeah, I enjoyed that show as well. So my last pick is The Blue Planet. And this is by uh, David Attenborough. He narrates the, the show. He does all of these nature uh, documentaries. And they're all really good. They're all great. But, you know, I have a special love for the water and for the ocean and water animals. And... Uh, so this is right up my alley and uh, it's just beautiful gorgeous and it has I think eight eight episodes and it also kind of goes into like the problems that that the animals are having with the uh, the problems with the at the um, Great Barrier Reef and some of the other places uh, with pollution and and oil spills and things like that and so uh, but it's just a, it's a beautiful, beautiful series. Yeah. And, uh, and David Attenborough has become like the voice of a generation for like nature documentaries. Yeah. Like even when you're like just seeing something in real world in nature, like ants crawling, like in a line, you'd just be like, and the ants are slowly crawling along the concrete looking for a mate and and you just immediately turn into david attenborough that's how <laughs> iconic he has become yeah that's true it really is and just the incredible photography that they get in these uh in these movies is just the serious it's just unbelievable yeah i remember watching planet earth 2 when it came out and i'm like there's no way it can get better than the first one and boy i was wrong in like the first 30 seconds when david attenborough's in that hot air balloon and he's like mm. over 10 years ago we embarked on a quest to try and highlight the species on this beautiful planet and now 10 years later we shall return and it's just oh it's so epic like he should have narrated like lord of the rings or something like he could narrate the phone book and it would be amazing yeah. it's true <laughs> it's true uh you 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 can sometimes hear a little bit of his brother in him, you know, with Richard Attenborough. Spent no expense, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Very good. Well, we did it. We profiled uh, Discovery Plus. So let us know what you've been watching on Discovery Plus. Are you excited about this idea of this merger or are you super not excited? Let us know in the comments section. We would love to hear your thoughts of what you've been watching. And Ryan, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me normally not muddling through allergy season on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. Then there's, of course, my YouTube channel, which is just called RyanCam. Uh, we're recording this on a Monday, which means my AFI project video for Easy Rider just dropped. Wednesday, I'll be dropping a video for A Night of the Opera from the Marx Brothers. And then on Friday, I'll be dropping, hang on, let me check the schedule. I'll be dropping a video for Platoon, the Oliver Stone movie. Then this coming Sunday, I'll be doing a big, a big top 10 video on my favorite animated Batman movies. And there's a lot of content coming to the channel. I'm almost done with the AFI project. And then once that's done, I'll be hopping into a series that I started a long time ago 
when I could count the subscribers I had on like one hand and had fingers to spare, but put away and now I'm going to be returning to. So if you haven't checked me out, please do. Put a lot of time and effort into the channel. I'm so happy with where it is now and it's just only going to get better for me. That's great. I think that's a huge accomplishment when you finish that. That's really wonderful. And everybody should subscribe. It's a good channel. Uh, and you can follow me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So please check that out. And also make sure you're following the Homeworkies podcast. We've got lots of good stuff coming up over there. So take a look at that. And, uh, and we're doing Muppet May uh, on my channel. And we have Best and Worst of the Muppets coming up. So lots of fun stuff going on. And please like this video. Please subscribe to our channel. If you're listening on iTunes, please give your ratings and reviews. We really appreciate that. And consider becoming a patron. We have awesome perks and we really appreciate that so much. And we also have our merch store, which has hashtag animation junkie shirts and lots of other fun stuff. So take a look at that. And thanks so much, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Avoid the grass.